Hello, and welcome back to Resurrections and Adam Warlock Podcast. My name's Al Sedano. And I'm John Wilson. I should have told you before when you say it. <laughs> you paused, so I was like, is he going to say my name or should I say my name? I'll jump in! And actually, I just realized I screwed something up. Because this episode should be going up in January, which means this is no longer Resurrections and Adam Warlock Podcast. This is Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos Podcast. dun 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 if you've heard the promo that I I put out last month, December, uh, I decided to change up the format of the show a bit and make this a Thanos and Warlock podcast because Thanos is so much a part of Warlock's life. You know, especially, I mean, not now where John and I are talking about, but coming up, once we get to the Starlin era, they are forever linked. Yeah, it's, it's pretty, uh, a pretty intrinsic connection. And, Whenever I've been listening to the shows you've been doing with Brian regarding Thanos, I've been thinking, wow, you really need to just expand this out to Thanos. You really need to talk about the Thanos war from the 70s, and you talk about um, the Thanos stuff that leads up to the Infinity stories, and then you text me on Facebook and say, by the way, and I'm like, yes! Yeah, because the Thanos stuff is too much fun, especially the, you know, the stuff me and Brian are, I'm having too much fun with Brian, we're talking about Thanos, he's just such a... He's such a jerk and yet cool at the same time. <laughs> you know, he's not this just complete, just psycho, I'm going to kill everybody. You know, I shall kill everyone in the world, universe, because I want to. You know, now he likes screwing with people. He he mocks their culture. You know, and sometimes he'll kill them. Sometimes he won't. Depends if he feels like it or if he needs to. He's a fickle man. Yeah. But he's definitely more interesting. So I definitely want to keep talking about him because he's fun. And that this, way, is, this is Brian we're talking about, right? Oh no, just same kidding. Time. Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes Brian can't. Because when you life. started talking about Thanos, like a sentence before you talk about Brian, or I had mentioned Brian, and, and you started out by saying he's a jerk, but <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> well, we could say that he won't listen to this because he's such a jerk. He's not on right. it. He doesn't care. Right. He just looks and goes, "I'm not on this. Who cares?" <laughs> No, no, it's been fun listening to the shows, the episodes you've been doing with Brian, and um, but I am also glad to be back here as well to talk about the uh, the Golden Avenger. Or wait, that's another guy, but this guy with the golden skin, he's uh, so he he's up my alley. Avenging. He does do some avenging in this issue. Oh yes, he does because um, we have something to avenge in this yeah. story. It's not Agent Coulson. No, 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 surprisingly not. He gets a yeah. Coulson at least got more of you know. Got more of a fight. Actually, Coulson even got to say words before, you know, got lines and stuff. This is a guy who's yeah. unconscious the entire issue. <laughs> I'm thinking, like, wow, this character sucks with this character. He, he was, he was like three issues and then he's done. Well, As it happens. Four. Technically four because of the Marvel premiere. Right, right. And then he done. But yes, we well, are with these coming out every other month or more. It's uh, it's been a while that he's been around, and and so we we have one of our original cast of supporting characters saying farewell to us and heading for the great beyond. Yes, it's sad. and by that I mean dying. Yeah, go bye bye. And we are of course talking about the power of warlock number four. Make way for the demon called. Wait a second. Yeah, his well, name is like Triax. But on the cover, it's called Trax. So is he the Transformer, or is he the Demon? I don't know which. Uh, was it, was, which one's Trax? He's a Decepticon, um, right? 
he no, he's a he's an Autobot. He's blue. He has a red face. He's very full of himself in the cartoon. Okay, yeah. I'm confusing him with the triple changer uh, transformer, the one that turns into the uh oh, that's Astro Train. I'm thinking of. Yes, not Astro Train. The space shuttle train robot. No, I believe Trax came in during the second season, although it's I guess it's possible he came in during the third. I think he came in during second though, and I don't remember what he changes into. I just remember I just remember there's a. During the second season, they had so many episodes that a lot of them were dedicated to a particular character, and Trax has an episode. I think it's called Making Trax, and he's just very, you know, very debonair and very. I I don't want to do this because it might mess up my polish. <laughs> I have to get back into watching. I was watching like the whole first season on Netflix, and then stuff happened, and I got distracted and haven't got back to watching that again. Well, my boy and I, we started reading the comics and watching the cartoons a few months ago, and we've been reading the U.S. and the U.K. comics as we go along through the cartoon, keeping it all basically in sync because that's the way I do stuff. That's how I roll. And so right now we're on kind of a comics pause because second season, they were not kidding with their cartoon production. And (laughs) it was no longer a weekly show like it had been in the first season. It was now an everyday show. Yes. I remember watching because I was watching it when it was on then. So we have a lot of episodes to get there before the next comic came out. Yeah, that's when there was because it was a Monday to Friday show after school, and it, there were a lot of new episodes. Mm-hmm. And then came the movie. I am so looking forward to watching that with Keenan because I'm not going to tell him a single thing ahead of time. Oh, I remember bre- that breaking my little heart when I watched. I saw it in the theater. That broke my little heart. I saw it in the theater too. Yeah. The rock and roll adventure of the century. Dare to be stupid. Okay, so, but today's Warlock. Yes, not Transformers. No. So, yes, Warlock number four. And like we said, um, make way for the demon called Trax, although it's. How do you pronounce it, by the way? Because I'm trying to figure out how to pronounce his name. From the I was East. saying Triax, because there's a bit of a threeness to a bit of his, his thing in this issue. Yeah, T-R-I-A-X. Triax. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Triax makes sense. And, of course, the creators are Mike Friedrich and Gil Kane, story and art, Ink Tom Sutton, letter Artie Simic, and editor Roy Thomas. Uh, Come sing a searing song of vengeance. They had fun with the titles here. Yes, yes, they do. And <laughs> it looks like on the cover, it looks like Adam Warlock's about to play football or, or something. He looks like a quarterback, yeah. Yep. Hike, hike. In case anyone forgot from last time, let's do, uh, actually, in case anyone hasn't read this, I'm going to drop in right now um, a brief recap of where it happened at the very end of last issue, since it's been a, several episodes since we discussed Warlock, and also uh, what happened in this issue, and then John and I will come back to talk about it. The Power of Warlock, number four. Come sing a searing song of vengeance came out on an on-sale date of November 21st, 1972, with a cover date of February 1973, and a cover price originally of 20 cents. The writers Mike Friedrich, penciler Gil Kane, inker Tom Sutton, letter Artie Semek, editor Roy Thomas, and the cover art is by Gil Kane and Joe Sinnott. This issue starts with a flashback to number three. In case you forgot... Warlock was attacked by a submarine commanded by Apollo, who wants to fill the place of the now-dead man-beast. Failing at sea, he attacks the military base that Adam and his four young followers are at. 
being revealed to actually be a Warthog-based new man, Triax, Apollo, slash Triax, has taken two of Adam's followers, Ellie and Eddie Roberts, hostage. While Adam and Triax face off, Estrella shows up and convinces Colonel Roberts, that is Ellie and Eddie's father, that the one person who can defeat Triax is presidential candidate Rex Carpenter. Not sure what he can do, Rex starts to talk to Triax, and somehow causes Triax to feel intense fear. Triax then flees to the top of a high tower with his hostages. He calls this high-tech sub, which it can also fly, to attack Warlock and the base, and this prompts Colonel Roberts to launch a counterattack. Warlock manages to defeat the flying submarine, and the Air Force launches tear gas at Triax. This does not drop him, but instead causes him to throw Eddie off the tower. Adam attempts to save him, but fails, and Eddie dies. Angered, Adam attacks Triax, and the battle ends with Triax himself falling off the tower to his own death. But at least Ellie survives. The issue ends with a scientist in a government lab realizing that some vague disaster threatens the world, and he's the only one who can stop it. His name is Victor Von Doom. The March to Victory! Flames of the Second World War burn across the globe. In the European theater of war, the Allied forces push back against the evil of Nazi Germany. And pushing our boys ahead at the front, no band of brothers fought harder and more ferociously than Sergeant Fury and his howling commandos. Marvel Comics immortalized the courageous exploits of Sergeant Fury, Dum Dum Dugan, Gabe Jones, and the rest of the elite fighting unit. Well, hell, heavens and Rocketroid, here they come now, Sergeant Fury! Look alive, you gold bricks! I'm not fighting the war by myself out here. What do you think we're gonna do when the Nazis actually show up? Come on, you boys, march! Wahoo! The Sergeant Fury podcast will follow those gripping stories of combat and bravery from the beginning. Join Brian Zeno and Dion Baia every other Monday as they dig into Marvel's classic Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commandos issue by issue with humor and historical insight. Wahoo! The Sergeant Fury podcast is available on iTunes and at furycast.podwits.com and is part of the Podwits Podcast Network. Face front, soldier! Wahoo! And we're back. Perfect. <laughs> Beat me about two seconds by saying it. <laughs> nice. So, like we said, that's what happened. It was very sad. And now we're going to talk about it. Uh, like we said, first page is Warlock looking like he's about to uh, hike the ball and uh, block. And I was actually, well, you know what, but before we get into the story, do you have any thoughts on the cover? Ah, yes, cover. Warlock, I'll say one thing, art-wise, Warlock's face looks really Hulkish almost, I want to say. Yeah, it's pretty intense. Like, that's how I would expect the Hulk's face to be drawn. Looks very angry, you know, like, more angry than it. Because the Hulk's usually always angry. You know, that's the whole point of him. But but then again, the boy has just died. In fact, there's a bit of a spoiler. This is your finish, Warlock. First the boy, and then... And then, oh, Monster, if he dies... Oh, I should have let you do the other voice. I'm sorry. I'm used to doing all the voices for my own shows. That's true, yeah. yeah when you're booming by yourself, you do everything. And then, Monster, if he dies, so do you. Dun, dun, dun. But, you know, it, the cover's all right. It, it, generally, I tend to be a bit let down by Warlock covers, because this is just like Adam leaping at a pig man. 
who is the transformed Apollo from last issue. But if you don't know the context, it's just some demoniacal animal man that, you know, Warlock is jumping at. It's serviceable, but it's not really that amazing for me. Yeah, we got more of actually Tarx's butt than anything else. We got a nice big butt cheek right there in the middle of the cover. Yeah, butt. Big butt. Makes me hungry. <laughs> Want some pork? <laughs> and and Ro- roast. Mmm. Bacon. bacon. Yeah, the, the cover's really nothing special. I more prefer, I just like them just for the uh, the format of the cover. The Bronze Age 70. Oh, like, yeah, panel. we have, like, the, the banner across the top. Yeah, which they still have, at least another issue or so, and then it goes away. But, yeah, no, it's not the best composed. I mean, for one thing, they could have turned it to the side a little bit so we at least get, like, a good side view of both of them instead of really just the, the back end of Terax. Triax. Yeah, Terax is a whole other guy. Terax is the, yeah, the Earth uh, Herald of Galactus. Right. Um, I did appreciate the little recap we have in the beginning. I know sometimes we derided those because we're reading these in such rapid succession compared to when they came out. But it has been so long since we did issue three in the Hulk issue that I was actually rather glad to see what's going on in the last episode. So, yes. Yeah. And I like the, I also, one thing I was thinking about the, uh, well, two things I was thinking about the recap. One, I like the black border, special black border on the page to like almost specify for readers, this is the recap part, this is not current. Right. To let you know what the difference is. But also, it's two full pages right here, so if you were a person reading Warlock, let's say, you know, you were decided, I'm going to reread Warlock 3 before 4, you could almost just look and go, skip. Yeah, right it's there. sort of a visual cue of, of what they're doing here. And, okay, I remember all this. I can just kind of breeze through these first couple of pages. Yeah. I mean, hell, when they're doing a re- reprint of this book even now, they can just, you know, take, if they want, they can just take out these two full pages. And it doesn't. you're not losing anything. It's not like it's half a page or a page and a half of story. Right. It's very easy and, to remove. Yeah, remove. And since Marvel is still doing a full 20 pages of story instead of the 17, which they will do in the 70s, um, it's not like it's that much of a story of a loss. Yeah. But, um, I did think it was interesting in the recap in the second uh, page of the recap, magnetic opposites. They descending a swashbuckling negative, rising a resolute positive. Only one would survive. It's interesting to see Warlock characterized as a resolute positive with all the time jumps that you've done in recent episodes, reminding us of just what is in this man's future. I mean, cause sure right now he's like a Christ analog. And as such, he's the epitome of man with good intentions. But I don't think that really remains the case with him. Oh, no. Yes, he becomes quite desolate, uh, depressed, miserable, crazy. Purple. Purple with an afro. (laughs) Okay. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, Triax is freaking huge. I don't yeah. know where the hell that came from, but he's really big. I know. The only thing I could think of besides them forgetting, which is possible, but <laughs> right. no prize, no prizing it, since the Apollo was a disguise, whether, you know, he physically changed into Apollo or is more mental. I think it was a more of a mental image. Mm-hmm. Maybe this was just the mental image, you know, the, the, the full thing going away. So as it's going away, you see him changing from Apollo to Triax, and then as it finishes, you actually see the full size of him. Could be. I was thinking of Warhogs as being like the, the runt characters, you know, the little stubby guys, but I don't know. 
Yeah, but he's really, life, really big. In real life, I think they are pretty big because they're pretty dangerous. They're supposedly like able to kill people. So, I believe it. Not, they have those big old goring tusks. Yeah, good so for we're, killing. Not, we're not talking cute little potbelly pigs. <laughs> they're like, oh, your pet. Come, let me sleep on your bed. You know, this thing's just like, you know, I'm going to eat you. Right. Maybe that's after the potbelly pig got crossed with the elephant. Oh, oh yeah. Ooh, poor pigs. <laughs> Notice that it is uh, Rex Carpenter in the background encouraging the authorities to let Warlock handle everything. Uh, we need to keep our eyes, both of them, I think, on Rex Carpenter. Yes. Yes, Triax is, you know, announcing his name and his intention. You know, make sure everyone knows, getting his time on camera. And now we actually get a panel here, we get a caption here actually talking about something we were discussing recently. Well, not recently, actually, but a while ago. About how different was Counter-Earth to real Earth. And it says here, nothing remains sacred on Counter-Earth. Bombing is called peacemaking. Every public figure fears for his life. Even Olympic athletes fall under the guns. So, although that still could be regular Earth, I think, I guess, they're trying to imply that, yes, Counter-Earth, because of the Manbees, is a much more violent, dangerous place. Well, you know, JFK was assassinated about ten years earlier. But over the next several years, there were several other Kennedys who were shot at or shot and killed. And and it seemed to become a thing where assassinating figureheads and celebrities was becoming a thing. Well, I mean, this is, what, 73? Yeah. Yeah, 72, actually, it says. So within the lifetime of pretty much anyone who's re- old enough to read this, uh, maybe they remember JFK, if you know, pay how young they are. But yeah, RFK, uh, Martin Luther King Jr., uh, Sharon Tate by Manson, you know, the Manson family stuff would still be in recent memory. Uh, if they were slightly older, probably uh, the Altmont concert from uh, like 68, 69, where the Hells Angels were guarding for the Rolling Stones and ended up killing some people. Hmm. And... What else would be in there? More stuff in there. Uh, was this the time, or, or was it the later 70s, where the, uh, there was, it wasn't a thing, but they made the movie Munich, I think, where there was the Olympics, and some of the uh, Olympic athletes were, like, taken hostage or killed? You know, I don't know, but since it specifically mentions Olympic athletes, uh, I imagine that's pro- there was probably something. It's possible that was a recent event. Yeah. Maybe it was, like, the 68 Olympics or something. So in this world of counter-Earth, being a celebrity, whether political or entertainment-wise or sports-wise, being a public figure is signing a you know death risk you know contract. You 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 now could be shot down and killed. Everyone fears for their lives, which is which is weird. And I don't think it's an element that gets used very much in the story. But Mike Friedrich brings it out here, and it's it's just one of those things that sets Counter Earth apart from our Earth. I mean, sure, yes, it's a thing in our Earth, and that's what they're using to comment upon. But it looks like it's much more common there. Yeah, like like I guess life is a lot cheaper there. I mean, I get the impression right. from reading this that he's trying to go for uh, the feeling I got from a lot of early image books. I'm not saying I'm not, I'm not like negative comment on them because some of them I did like a lot. But you read a lot of those early image books, and it feels like, oh yeah, somebody died, no big deal. We're not really as upset by about it as opposed to maybe another you know in the real world or like even at that time the DC you know Marvel DC world at that time where people have been like, oh, this is not good that people are getting killed. And yeah, because right around the time that the image was starting up, you had um, Adam getting killed in the Superman books. Yeah. Oh, Adam that's right. Cat Grant's kid. Yeah, and that was a lot more, oh, my God. And meanwhile, you did a lot of those early image books, and it was more, oh, well, someone got killed. That sucks. Moving on. 
you know, it kind of got that impression from the whole world. Like it, it was the whole world was a little bit darker and, you know, life didn't mean as much. And I guess that that's kind of what they're going for here. Well, speaking of death and life, we have Eddie and Ellie Roberts in the grip of Triax. We have in the background Colonel Roberts, who wants to just attack Triax and kill him with his guns. I don't think he can. And Rex Carpenter is saying, no, 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 it's up to Warlock. He's the one who needs to take care of this. Yes, and I like how they have Triax holding the them. Eddie is being just being held by the back of his shirt, but of course, Ellie is being held in a traditional way that an unconscious woman in the bronze and bronze age would be held. Big hand wrapped around her waist, leaning back. Yep. <laughs> Arching the Twin Peaks into the air. Exactly. Now, I was going to say I don't know where the name Triax came from, because a lot of the names of these characters have been tied to some theme that runs along with them, or, or, or their animal form or something. Like, but then we have this line from him where, if I cannot be pure Apollo... That I will be feared, Triax. I am not a a what you say, which um, Warlock had just accused him of being a mud wallowing warthog. So we have this threeness. He he's no longer Apollo. He refuses to admit that he used to be a warthog, his second form, and now he's determined to be feared, Triax. So he has these three forms, which is a little bit of a weird thing to base your name upon. But hey, whatever. It, yeah. It's a comic. Yeah, you got to base on something. And then the panel after that, actually, we get some wonky art for both Jason Gray and uh, Carpenter on the faces. Uh, yeah. They look <laughs> like right. uh, they look like the gangers. No, they look like the gangers from Doctor Who. Oh. <laughs> you remember, like when they were half get, like they weren't fully looking like the people, and they kind of had like half their faces kind of just like flat. Right. Like with no, you know, no. Um, the features. That's well, that's because the like. part of Rex Carpenter is being played by Voldemort with a wig. Uh, well, yeah, that looks like it. Yeah, because all we got is these two little dots for noses. I do like Gil Kane, but uh, it is a background bit that he didn't spend as much. Always didn't spend as much time on. Just kind of threw it on the page. Yeah. We finally get some explicit. Well, I say finally, we do get some explicit description of what he does with his soul jewel. It has been, I think, a little bit mysterious. We've seen it do various things, but he says, You dare, Warthog, to challenge my power? I can tap the cosmos with my soul jewel, and thus tap direct destruction upon whomever I choose. So I'm like, oh, draw upon the power of the cosmos. That's, that's, that's what he does with his soul jewel. Now we know. Maybe, because then next panel he says, uh, My ploy succeeds, my foe's shaken, uncertain, not knowing whether I am bluffing. Oh, wait, no. Oh, he said, or would actually use my power. Never mind. So he's, that's right. I he has know. the power, but would he actually use it? You know, or would it in his grasp. Yeah. So he does have that power. My mistake. I, re- I read that wrong. But yeah, so, okay, so at least we have some idea. Yeah, because the jewel was just very much a tacked on, felt, or at least it felt like a very much a tacked on idea. And then every year she's like, uh, I guess we can de-evolve people, maybe, or fly, or get strength, uh, whatever we feel like. But then we have a really odd little storytelling device because Adam Warlock is interrupted in his confrontation. He looks back over his shoulder, shouting, what? Who approaches yonder? And we roll the clock back three minutes to see Estrella. Yeah, she's showing up on the base and she's talking to the colonel and she's saying she can help because she knows the one person who can really stop Triax, Rex Carpenter. 
And on that one first panel of her, Rex Carpenter looks like uh, Richard Nixon. Oh, that's true. I assume that's Rex Carpenter, even though his shirt is a different color, but it looks like it should be he. Maybe. And I like what she says. One virtually disguised in your midst. Mm. Not so virtually, though. He actually is disguised in their midst. Yes. Now, speaking of Rex Carpenter, the person who we, we that you and I know more about than we're than we're letting on, but um, whenever he walks forward to do this thing, his inner monologue is a little bit interesting. He says, "I'm taking a gamble with my careful election plans, but this Estrella has put me in a public bind, so I have to make an attempt." Interesting phrasing, referring to her as this Estrella, as if he honestly didn't know who she was. Oh, like if you were saying that out loud, I would see it, but it's inner monologue. It seems a little odd. Yes, because she says that out loud. She says, uh, "No charade, sir. Just fact." As if she does not know him. Yeah, because when they talk, they talk. They're talking as strangers. But you're right. If let's just say, let's just assume that maybe they do know each other. Yeah. Why is he thinking that way? Like it's, she's a stranger. Right. Maybe they. Maybe some of what they're doing with Rex Carpenter, they decided upon later on but that also seems odd because with estrella here and everything i don't know i'm almost wondering if the estrella stuff is what they because uh the Estre- maybe they know who rex carpenter they're going to do with him but the estrella bit they're not sure about yet yeah i mean it seems like they have some idea because otherwise why would she pick him but she does seem like the honest damsel in distress in the previous story she was in. There was nothing in that issue to indicate that she was anything other than somebody who needed Warlock's help. Um, you know, this is getting, this is getting a little frustrating to have talking this way. I'm wondering, since this is, what, uh, 40 years old? No, 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 no. We, 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 we can't spoil. We, we can only, we can only hint at. Yeah, spoil? We, we can drop hints. Okay. okay. <laughs> I wasn't sure what we go back. I wasn't sure, but I'm good. I'm good either way. And if you're having more fun with not spoiling it, then that's fine with me. I am. I am. I, I, I have my experience with, with listeners and emails has shown me that while discussing the issue at hand with all spoilers on can be fun because some people are reading this for the first time, spoiling even just the next issue can be a bit frustrating for people because they don't know what's coming. Um, I definitely learned that whenever I covered Trinity War in um, and the storyline leading up to Trinity War on the New 52 Adventures of Superman. Because people who had not yet read Trinity War were a bit frustrated with my revelations of things regarding such characters as the new Atom and stuff like that, Atomica. Oh, yes, that's right. So, oh, yeah, her. But anyways. Okay. No, that's fine. That's cool. And hey, it's it's more showy. And I mean, as you saw from the way I uh, instant messaged you on Facebook about how I was changing the format of the show, I'm obviously down with that. Because <laughs> anyone who doesn't know, which is everybody but me and John, obviously, when I messaged him, I said, I'm thinking of stopping doing Resurrections book next year. He goes, oh, okay. I guess I can see yeah, that. But- I'm going to start doing Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos show. He goes, oh, okay. <laughs> I was just like, well, it, it, it's your thing, whatever you want to do, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm on um, that, too. But right. now we find out that the person that Adam Warlock was turning around to see, the person who's interfering with his confrontation, is actually Rex Carpenter walking forward to, I guess, play the Picard to Adam Warlock's Kirk. And 
just to seed things for people from later on for a few issues when we finally get to what we're all talking about about Rex. I like that what they say about panel when Triax looks over at him. Stark, naked, unfathomable fear. Oh, yeah, he is not, yeah, okay. So, it looks like, it looks like they have, so what they're doing with Rex at least, I, I think the whole thing with Rex and Estrella, they're still figuring out, it seems like. Unless there's something that I'm gonna, we're gonna reread in the next issue or two, and we reread that again for the episode show, that we go, oh, that explains their interaction and his thoughts. But otherwise, it looks like they pretty much have his his story planned. And yet, Triax doesn't seem to understand why he's afraid. He thinks Carpenter does not bluster, neither does he beg. Oh, no, that's Adam Warlock. That's Adam Warlock. Never mind. Yeah, I, against, I, I thought the little three bubbles were coming from uh, Triax's brain, but they're not. They're from Warlock's brain. So we really don't know what's going on in Triax's head right now, except that he gets the heck out of Dodge and flies up to the top of the tower and starts dangling unconscious blondes over the edge of a building. Yeah, which, that's not cool. No, it really isn't, especially if you're going to drop one of them and Spider-Man tries to save her and snaps her neck in the process. Oh, again. And then, <laughs> and then she'll come back in 35 years of her own powers. Yes, yes. That was relatively recent history at this point, wasn't it? 1973? And that was 71 or 72 when that went down. I think so. Uh, hold on. There was the, because uh, I'm reading the original issue. No, wait. That's in the future. Is it really? I'm looking at the Mighty Marvel checklist for this issue. Spider-Man, because there's only one Spider-Man book, 117. <gasps> we are just ahead of that. Okay. So nope. Triax is, th- this Green Goblin is beating that Green Goblin to the punch. Yeah, Gil Kane hadn't drawn that yet, because that was, that was Gil Kane that drew that, right? I'm pretty oh. certain. Yeah, I think you're right. I'm pretty certain he was doing Spider-Man at the time. I think you're right. He uh, he was on and off during the late 60s and early 70s. I'm not always sure exactly which issues he did, but I think you're right. I think he did do the uh, the death of Gwen. Which makes sense why that remind you know, a lot of this reminds us of that, actually. He was, he probably, when this issue came out, he probably was drawing that one. Oh, he might have been. Yeah. That's weird to think about. I mean, that that is a benefit. I mean, like we said, we like to try and, you know, we're going to try and keep what we can, you know, secret, you know, without spoiling, you know, the next issue or so. But it's also kind of fun to look back at the history perspective of, you know, ooh, and, you know, eight months. Well, maybe not, because this is bi-monthly, so eight months from now. No, four months, you're right. I'm getting confused with time. But yeah, four months <laughs> from now, Gwen dies. You know, wow, that's like a big change. In the whole Marvel world. Yeah. So a lot of people will draw Marvel's Bronze Age as starting with the death of Gwen Stacy, which that's kind of late in the 70s to, to use that as a mark, I think, for my own personal preferences. But um, This is February 73 issue, so they're saying that Bronze Age isn't starting then to like mid-73? Late 73 yeah. even? Yeah, no. And no. This, this entire series feels very much like a Bronze Age book to me. Oh, yeah. No, I... I Pretty much, I don't know exactly when I would say the Brian Dave starts, but it's got to be between 69 and 71. It's before this, in any case. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Adam is still creation of the Silver Age in Fantastic Four, because that was 67. And I still consider that Silver Age. Yeah, that's Age. Silver Age. But it, it's, near, it's near the end of the Silver Age, definitely. Because, like I said, I, I consider Brian Dave 69 to 71. Somewhere in there is when it started. I haven't figured out when. I, have to, I would probably have to do some research on that one, but yeah. 
Well, it's also one of those things that there, I mean, having read through a lot of Superman from that era and I've read the transition of golden to atomic to silver, it's, it's not a line. It's more of a, a development of trends. Yeah. And the trends that identify Superman's silver age really began before the line that's often drawn of the first Fortress of Solitude appearance is often the line drawn for Superman's beginning of his Silver Age. The stuff that we think of as being Silver Age Superman started before that. They just oh, okay. started it was it was it was a development of a trend. You had more focus on Krypton, more focus on Jor-El, um more focus on the the cosmic aspects of Superman's mythos and it just started happening more and more like in 1957-58 and then in 58-59 is when you get Fortress of Solitude, Brainiac, Supergirl, and all that stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, you, it, for any of these ages, I mean, the only one you really can start with a definite beginning is Golden Age, because pretty much the Golden Age is considered, even though there were comics before, the Golden Age is pretty much considered starting with Action 1. Right. Because we have first Superman. But otherwise, for the most part, I mean, I don't really, yeah, you really can't picture, like, this is exactly when it started, and everything changed. But there's usually, like, one huge book that pops out that's like, we are now definitely in the Silver Age. Like, showcase number four. The first Flash, yeah. Barry Allen Flash. That's definitely saying Silver Age has definitely started. You know, you might not think it started before now, but it's definitely started at least by now. You know, you can debate if it started a little before or not, but this is the, you know, we're in it now. Yeah, I don't know if anyone ever really puts the Silver Age before Flash, but some people will, will wait until uh, Fantastic Four number one to start their dating for the Silver Age. And I have heard one or two people... Um, which I think before. is pretty unfair, because Marvel... I mean, as awesome as Marvel was in the 60s and everything they did for the industry in the 60s, um, A, they were not the first kids on the block. There was lots of great stuff coming out before November 1961. And B, Marvel's first couple of years weren't all that. No, no. I mean, Spider-Man... <laughs> yeah, and they were very much like the other stuff. Um, Spider-Man was very much still in the... I mean, characterization-wise, maybe they were trying to do something a little bit... They were starting to do different. But the first few yeah, issues are still Spider-Man is, is, double is like the one exception, because he comes along and he does... I mean, he's different. Yeah. Well, but the Fantastic Four, as awesome as they were, it took a little while for that awesome to really figure out what it wanted to do with itself. No, true. And, uh, I was thinking of Spider-Man with just the format of the first few issues still doing two stories like everyone else did. You know, yeah. half book length. The Ant-Man stuff very much Silver Age. I love Ant-Man. I didn't used yeah. to, but ever since I've been I, I, I've on Avengers Inspirations, I developed a real strong love for the Ant-Man and his insane relationship with young Janet Van Dyne. Um, but oh, real quick though, I've heard some people say that Detective Comics. I think it's two fifty-five. Some people consider that. I think it's that issue. Consider that beginning of Silver Age because that's the first Martian Manhunter. The first new oh, character okay. that becomes a part of the Silver Age, as opposed to like, let's say, Captain Comet, who I think was a period around that time, but it kind of just goes away for it goes away until he comes back years later. That's like the first new character that continues on with the Silver Age. Interesting. Okay, I I can see the logic and rationale for that. Certainly, the continuity continues on, but I just I don't know. But, to me, well, ages are not about continuities; they're about storytelling styles. Yes. And um, that's what I go with more. Like the more of like what change of everything, you know, you know, even if not everything's changed yet. Like you said, Superman, Silver Age stuff kind of goes a little later. Mm-hmm. But it's still like an overall difference where like you can tell stories from this time or feel different even than you know from ten years previous. 
as an example of Silver Age versus Golden Age not being a continuity-based thing, um, Superboy is very much an Earth-1, Silver Age character, but he definitely has a Golden Age and Silver Age to him. Um, Golden Age Superboy started in 1944, and I would not say that Superboy's Silver Age started until you had things like the introduction of Pete Ross and the um, the introduction of the Legion of Superheroes. Once those things became regular parts of Superboy's silver, uh, storytelling, the types of stories Superboy was in began changing, and um, especially whenever Adventure Comics loses the new Superboy solo stuff and is just Superboy and the Legion, and Superboy's every monthly appearance in, in, in Adventure Comics is a Legion story, yeah, then you're, you're definitely silver-aging Superboy, and it's completely different to the kind of stuff he was doing in the Golden Age. Yeah, because he's not just fighting bank robbers. Right. Or um, magician, stage magicians, or clowns, or... They tried to give Superboy a rogues gallery in the late 40s, early 50s. It didn't take. Hocus and Pocus, yeah. Oh, God. Well, once we have Triax jumping away from the situation and dangling the kids over, then it just becomes a big action fest, and I honestly have almost nothing to say about the rest of the issue. Uh, let's see. Wallach flies up there. Triax shoots him with uh, liquid gel and freezes him. We learned that, obviously, or did we learn already that Warlock needs to breathe? You know, that was actually was a thought I had. I, I was thinking, huh, for as Superman-like as he is, I would not have expected him to have to breathe. But he does. He says, I'll suffocate and die. So he's still just a dude. Especially since previously he was flying into space in a previous life. But I guess this one, he, this one, he can't do that. Oh, yeah, he was flying into space, wasn't he? And, I mean, like I said, not to... Well, this doesn't really ruin anything for these issues, but in future you know, years, like 10 years on long and all that, Warlock is always a character who's considered a space character, and he's always somebody who can fly under his own power through space. But not here. No. Nope. This, this is like the one time that he needs breathing. Maybe we said something about that in issue three when he was underwater. But if we didn't, we're doing it now. <laughs> and yeah, then we have Colonel Roberts apparently deciding he's going to send the, the ships out to bomb both Triax, and they also end up bombing at, attacking Adam too. Right? Or is that Triax's ship? I can't tell. Um, they launched the missiles at. It's hard to say because as the heat missiles launched, estimated target arrival ten seconds, relative payload fatal. And it's the weaponry of Counter Earth, so it's it's human weaponry. So yeah, that's a re- pretty amazing airship for uh, mankind. But I guess it's no more strange than the Shield Helicarrier. And I guess that this, if we're saying this world is so death-based and so much so violent, they might be a bit more uh, intent on creating new weapons than we were. You better watch what you say, because if this were a Justice Society of America comic, you might have to be um, arrested for suggesting that any science or weaponry other than America is the best. I'm still for American democracy. Yay! <laughs> and this is still in America, so it counts. Ah. Uh, ah, uh, okay. It's still America. 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 But, yeah, so Adam gets away from that. So, yeah, Kurt... I'm trying to get this Colonel Roberts because he's upset about his kids. So he has the ships bombing the building that they're on. Trying to stop Triax, but not the best way possible, is it? Yeah, I mean, tear gas. 
when he says tear gas, finally, we can see it's tear gas. Okay, the, you know, tear gas is not pleasant. But yes, if you have hostages, I can see throwing tear gas in the room where the kit, where the hostage takers and the hostages are. Because it's not fatal. But the right. panel before that, he is dropping, that is a bomb. That's a different, <laughs> I mean, you can even see it's different in the art drawn than the tear gas is. You're suggesting that bombs and tear gas are different levels of weaponry? I think so. And I think, yes, you don't drop bombs on hostages. It, it, unless you, you know, you are planning on, you know, wipe, writing them off already. But if you yeah, it depends on who the hostages are, right? But if you're hoping to rescue the hostages, especially if they're your kids. <laughs> yeah, there is that thing. It's like, these are his kids. He's doing all of this to save his two kids. I guess it's like, look, this, they're going out. They're going out my way, not yours. He's pulling a Murtaugh here from a lethal weapon. Okay, so then oh, he I... picks up Eddie <laughs> and just throws him over the edge. And Warlock tries to save him, but just misses, and... I yeah. honestly... I hadn't done the date tracking, obviously, whenever we did this, but I honestly was thinking about Gwen Stacy there. How Adam Warlock is trying to get a, get him, trying to save him, just isn't quite the right time. It play, It's a different situation than Gwen Stacy, but... It was making me think of Gwen Stacy as I was reading it. Yeah. And like we said before, Eddie is unconscious the entire issue, though apparently he wakes up enough as he's being chucked to say Warlock's name once or twice. And then that's it. Poor guy. But at least he's, unc- at least he's not awake. I mean, Eddie was- Roberts, we hardly knew you. Yeah. And uh, I think it was kind of a gruesome one, because look at the panel where he falls. The, it's the top part. I'm not sure what, how you're reading it. Does it have ads and everything in it, or you just have the story? I have the story, so so we were at Freeze, the scene unspoken, the moment most feared is the page I'm on, where Triax throws Eddie off of the edge. Okay, the, t- the, the first panel of the next page. Oh. Does that look like blood shooting up? Because you can see the back of a... You see most people are... You see Warlock up top where he flew trying to grab Eddie. You can see like the line showing the downward descent of Eddie. And right around that, you see all these little, like, splatter lines flying up. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought blood. More like just, like, general, there was an impact kind of repercussion lines. But it definitely could be read as blood. I can see that. And it's it's pretty gruesome to think about them drawing that in there. Yeah. Oh, though apparently this is what makes uh, the colonel decide he wants to... It's funny. Warlock is not have a chance to do anything earlier, and he's like, I don't trust him. We're going to do it our way. And then when Warlock basically doesn't save his kid in time, I trust you now. Save my daughter. Right. Well, he realizes that he's done, messed it all up. Yeah. He is kind of the cause of his own son's death, which is terrible to think about, terrible to contemplate. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, that's a horrible thing. And he gets up there and he beats the crap out of Triax. Fall, Triax tries to get away, but Warlock rips off his flight, the flight part, and Triax falls himself. And goes you know squishy boom. And you know what I was thinking about? With all of the talk about comic book superheroes and whether or not comic book superheroes could or should kill their enemies, 
one of the things about superhero comics is that it's a re- repeating medium. And so you want to be able to reuse characters. And so to me, it almost seems like that's the primary motivation for not killing off bad guys. And they come with an in-store explanation to justify it. Oh, we're heroes. We don't kill. Adam Warlock has killed every single person he's fought in this comic. Yes, that's right. They're all dead. So it's a good thing they keep on making more. And it's kind of funny considering who he's the allegory for. <laughs> and yet he kills everybody. That's great. I hadn't put those two together. He's like, no, 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 no one's alive. He's like, Punisher? Screw that guy. Right. That's that's funny. Okay, so evidently our Jesus analog is uh, is a ruthless son of a gun. Although, I guess maybe they're showing him learning, because as he says in the, the second panel of the page where Triax actually falls, in its way, it was just, but perhaps my mission calls for more, as today, justice brought only death. That was maybe he's not exactly liking the fact that he's having to kill so much. Yeah. I mean, he does it, so he just is not thrilled. Right. And then we get a weird thing. The panel where he's hugging Ellie. Again, we have another weird instance of weird... Uh, Weird speech, weird speech balloon. And she says, Eddie was so young, yet, yet we grew close and loved each other. I was proud to call him, and this word is in quotes, brother. He was her brother. Biological brother. Raised in the same house brother from everything we've been indicated. And reading yeah, that, it sounds I... like someone she just met last week. I took that as there having been an estrangement in the family that was reconciled. And now, as opposed to being just brother in name, she was happy to have him as a brother. And that was a relationship she was, she, she needed in her life and was proud to have in her life. Um, I have a little bit of my own experience in that regard because my brother and I did not get along. Um, in our teen years, we had so many differences, and it was not until somewhere around 2006, whenever I was around 30 years old, or 27, I guess it was, and uh, he was a year or two younger than I was, that's when we finally sat down and kind of talked things out and 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 caught up on, on our lives and where we were with everything and just sort of became friends again for the first time in years. Um, so... The weird thing about it for me is that we didn't get any of that about them before this panel. Yes. So if she is talking about that kind of a relationship, we just were never given the clues for that. Or if we were, I missed them. I missed them, too. Um, you know what? I'm just going to go with what you said. Okay. <laughs> I'll let you. Hey, I know prize the thing before. You know prize this one now. Because at least that makes it make sense. Yeah. Anything else otherwise, it's just, like I said, that's your biological brother. Why are you talking about him like a dude you met three weeks ago? Right, and, and and using brother in quotes like the fraternal sense, like the we're friends and we're following the same ideas and the same fellowship, so we're brothers, all of us, you know. So I, I was proud to call him brother Yeah. in a metaphorical sense, but that's it's like that you have can the same, be what she means, but that's what it's written like. Yeah, it's like you have the same dad. You have the same last name. He's not just a friend, you know. You can't consider him just a friend because that's wrong, you know, because then that could lead out of bad places, okay? Superman and Supergirl are more allowed to consider each other in that way than you and Eddie. Because <laughs> there's more genetics in between them. Now, what did you say was the release date on this one? Uh, 
according to here, it says uh, February 73. Well, that's the publication date. Or that's the cover date, rather. What was? When did it come out, do you know? I will. don't have that on me, but hold on one minute and I will. I can get it. I'm looking to. I thought maybe you had it written down. I thought I did, but I forgot to. Okay, November 21st, 1972. Okay. The reason I bring it up is because on the last panel, the um, the opening uh, caption, the, not the last panel, the last page, the opening panel has a caption that is wreathed. Oh, and it says yeah. the rest then is silence. And, and uh, yeah, wreaths can be used to decorate gravestones and such, but I was just wondering if perhaps this was the holiday season. No, you're right, because also a wreath can use to be decorated gravestone, but I guess they're looking close at flowers, but they kind of also look like bulbs. Like for Christmas. Yeah. I don't know if those are roses or bulbs. It could be either one. But, yeah, and you're right. And this is a November issue, and this is a bi-monthly book. Then, yeah, this will be basically the closest to a Christmas issue, you know, December issue they're going to have. Right, because Warlock 5 comes out two months later. By then, it's the new year. Exactly. And um, although Christmas certainly has no problem coming out early, it usually doesn't overstay its welcome. It does, it, by the time December 26th happens, yep, Christmas is done. Get it out of here. Well, it's time for our New Year's sale. Exactly. But we do have a really neat cameo teaser for the next issue appearance on the last page. Yeah, I, I'm feeling when I was doing when this was coming up when you said you weren't too thrilled to you didn't have that much to say about the issue, though. I figured you'd be more excited about this than anything else in the issue. Yeah, this, this last page was the one thing I had thoughts on. is is uh, Victor Von Doom, complete with metal helmeted mask. And gloves. There. And gloves, even. Basically... Doctor Doom, as you know him, but dressed in civvies. Yeah, because we see it's a government laboratory somewhere in Livermore Valley. Wherever that uh, is. Yeah, and the scientist there says, A disaster threatens the entire planet. There's only one person who can stave it off, and his name is Victor Von Doom. Dun-dun-dun. So apparently, despite whatever difference we might learn next uh, episode... Or next issue about between the Victor Von Doom of Counter Earth and regular Earth. A, obviously he doesn't have the cloak he wears regular suits, and B, he still likes to talk out loud about himself in the third person. Yes. But then, don't we all? I do that sometimes. So does John. Although at least I have the excuse I say I'm talking to the dog. <laughs> That's Is that what the kids are calling you these days? That's why people get pets. So we could talk to ourselves and not tell, you know not be crazy. No, no, no. I'm talking to the dog, the turtle, the fish, right? Tarantula, whatever I have. Just, no, I'm not crazy. But then it talks back. Well, then you're crazy. Yeah. That's the good side and downside of kids. If they're talking back, then that means you know you're they're just existing. You're not crazy. But sometimes, like, no, I don't want to hear anyone else talking. Just me. <laughs> you shush. Well, I think that is all I have on this issue. I mean, there's a few things that we had to talk about. There really wasn't much special about Adam in here. It was just a fight issue for the most part. It was a fight, though, that definitely, like I said, this is definitely a Bronze Age thing where they lose, you know, he won the fight, but he still lost a lot because, I mean, one of the hostages was killed. Mm-hmm. You know, this definitely was not the Silver Age version where, you know, they might have tried in, to put in some drama about it, but they would have rescued the hostage. Right. Here, one of them did die. And we, we've we also lost one of our main characters for the story. I mean, it's not just a random hostage. This is one of the main supporting characters of the book. 
I do feel like the twins have always kind of in the, been in the backseat of things, though. Most of our most of our stuff with supporting characters have been between. Oh, and now it's been so long I've forgotten their names. But the white guy and the black guy. Jason and David. Jason and David, yes. No, yeah, it's true. You're right. So they basically, yeah, it's Jason and David are like the two main focal points. And Ellie has basically, I mean, it's Brunswick now, but still, she, Ellie's been the girl, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And that's basically been her job. And, and Eddie's basically just been standing next to the girl. So, yes, out of all of them, he is definitely the most expendable. Because he's had the least amount of characterization things to do. And also, depending on how long this could have went, if they ever wanted to play with relationships, he is the one that can't have a relationship with the girl. So, that's another reason to get rid of him. Any of the other three, Adam, if they wanted to do, if they decided they wanted to do that, if the book went on for, you know, another couple of years, or Jason or David could have had a relationship with Ellie, but not Eddie. Not Eddie, because he's a brother. Yeah, so that's probably another reason to get rid of him. And she's proud to call him brother, which means she's probably not too inclined to sleep with him. Yeah, let's hope so. <laughs> and especially now, because then that makes it even ickier. All right, well, um... Yeah, is this where you're going to start uh, alternating? Is there a Thanos episode coming up next? Coming up next? Oh, I do want to say one thing, though. On the letters page, because even now, I mean, well, nowadays, this is something that happened that's definitely more common. But definitely 1972, one of the letters is from a, a Roberta Pyle. So we have female readers of Warlock. Yeah, there were a lot of female comic readers in the 1970s. I, I, I remember seeing a lot of their names. In fact, one of the more prolific letter writers I'm actually friends with on Facebook. Oh, cool. Um, and we don't talk a whole lot, but she occasionally comments on my things. She saw Interstellar this week and recommended it. And, and there so. is, and there were a lot because I'm, I'm a big fan of Legion of Superheroes and, a, and Legion fandom, especially around that time. There were a lot of female members involved in that. That that was definitely one aspect of kind of fandom. I can't say about other ones did or didn't, but I know that one had a lot of female readers or female supporters. But still, there definitely was a lot less than the male. So I always find it cool when it's like, oh, cool. You know, there they, you were there still. <laughs> you know, I'm like, go, go you. You know, yeah, I love the fact that there's more female readers. You know, I mean, that means more readers potentially. You know, more, more reasons to keep these comics going. You know, more people buy it. Right. But I was just like, oh, cool. So I'd like to point her out. Good for her. Got her letter, got her letter printed. Yay! And also, real quick, I don't know if you have a individual original stuff when you're reading, but the wow! I'm looking at the terrific ten, the two page spread for the uh, CBS Saturday morning. No, sorry, NBC Saturday morning lineup. Uh huh. I don't know what most of those shows were. They were so horrible. Apparently, they went away quickly. <laughs> we have. Yeah, there are ten shows. We have Pink Panther, I know that. Underdog, Jetsons, that's fine. Then we have The Hound Cat, The Roman Holidays, The Barclays, Runaround, a cartoon adaption of Around the World in 80 Days, Talking with a Giant, and then the only other one I kind of know, which is C-Lab 2020. And I only know that because of a Cartoon Network's Adult Swim, C-Lab 2021. Yeah, I'm looking at that spread, too, um, from a Spider-Man issue that I have from this era. And, yeah, the Pink Panther is the only one I recognize. I seem to vaguely remember there being an Around the World 80 Days cartoon like that. That's that. Oh, and, and of course, the Jetsons. And under, yeah, oh, the first few, Pink Panther, Underdog, and Jetsons, yeah. yeah but yeah, all this other few. stuff, yeah. no. 
Yeah, and C-Lab I only know from watching C-Lab 2021, which I don't know if you ever watched it or if anyone doesn't know, but basically C-Lab 2020, excuse me, as they call it here, true to science adventure in the most amazing environment of them all, which is a bit uh, based under the sea. And it was very dry. And I don't think it lasted more than a season. And then C-Lab 2021 from Adult Swim basically came and used the animation and redid it a bit and gave them new voices. So the captain was a raging egomaniac idiot. You know, one of the chief scientists became a moron. And the base blew up pretty much at the end of every episode. <laughs> Fun stuff. Oh, it was funny as hell. If you ever a chance to watch it, I would recommend it. It's funny as hell. But, yeah, this is, wow, this is a bit, I would be so disappointed if I was watching cartoons at this point. Well, it's not the 80s yet. They don't know how good it could be. Yeah. So disappointed. Well, I guess even the late 70s, even like five years from now, whenever you have like ISIS and Shazam and all sorts of stuff on the morning cartoons, that'd be even better than this. And Super Friends. Right. And Scooby-Doo. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Although, I'm trying to remember what channel Scooby-Doo was on, so it might not have been NBC. But still. Yeah. There are good cartoons out there. There were good cartoons back then, just not in this channel. Not this year. Oh, I just realized oh. what this issue is. The um, Amazing Spider-Man 117 is the one you mentioned in the uh, the Marvel Master, uh, the, the Bulletin Bolton, so I pulled the issue, and I just realized which, which story this is. So. What? Well, this is... Um, during the late 60s, Marvel started a series called The Spectacular Spider-Man. And it was just, it was a magazine-sized book. And the first oh, issue yeah. was black and white and had beautiful Romina art. And the second issue was a Green Goblin issue. It was in color, and it's a classic story now. It's, it's sort of essential reading for Norman Osborn fans. Um, but the first issue, they took that story, took the art retooled it just enough to make it a little bit different and split it up over three issues of the amazing Spider-Man. So, um, you have a lot of extra panels and a lot of altered panels to, to fit a few continuity changes, like who Peter's dating and all that stuff. Cause now he's dating Gwen and there, I think he, during that issue, he's dating Mary Jane. Um, but this is, I think the second of those three. And, the original version of the story was decent, not awesome. The retooled version of the story was less so. <laughs> yeah. Well, this has to be either part two or three, because it said the Smasher Strikes Back. Yeah, so, this, 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 this is the second part. Yeah. It, now, is this around the time that Gwen was retroactively cheating on him with Norman Osborn? Or was she, um, was she already, or she already had the baby? Or... or I think because that's that retcon does not fit easily into the narrative. It happens while she is off in Europe and she was off in Europe um, during the early 100s. So, yeah, that's all done. She is back. It's past tense. And we're four issues away from her getting killed. So this story wraps up in 118. I forget exactly what happens in 119 and 120. And then 121, she dies. I can tell you because actually 119 was one of the issues I had growing up. Uh, with the top part of the cover removed, because I got it from an, from somebody who had that who worked like in recycling, and like you know, grab random comic issues, uh, comic issues. Oh, like, that's that weird two-parter of the Hulk in, in Canada. Yes. yes, 
It's like if, if you're reading Spider-Man and you know that 121 is coming up on the death of Gwen, this feels like a weird out of nowhere story. Like, shouldn't we have more build up than this? Yeah, but then again, back then they not well. Yeah, they you know they did do build up. You're that's right. Never mind. Yeah, it's just like it was almost like a Silver Age thing of you know yeah we're gonna have a big thing coming up, but we're just doing regular stories until then. Right. And the big thing happens, and there's no repercussion afterwards. If it were a Silver Age. Yeah. Although there were definitely repercussions afterwards. Yeah, for this. For the, for the Gwen stuff. So are we going to do yeah. Warlock's Friends? Or are you still doing that for the the new the new format? Oh yes, I am. I'll just do. Uh, I'm thinking of calling it Warlock's Friends or Thanos' Enemies. <laughs> awesome. Uh, let's see. We have, what would you like to do? We got Fantastic Four, Hulk, and Thor. I want to do the Four and the Thor. Right, so we're on Adam's Friends now, which is uh, basically showing uh, other series that Adam has appeared in before and what they're up to now. And where possible, I will copy from what it says in the Modern Marvel checklist of the issue, if I have the original issue. And if they say a description, because at this point, Marvel did have a lot of books coming out now. It's not like the early 60s where they had six or seven. They had a lot of titles. In fact, in the early 70s, they had their own explosion, like the DC explosion. There were a lot of books coming out. And so only a couple of them would get a full like sentence or two describing what happened. A lot of them would either just get a blurb of a few, of a few words or just the title itself. Well, the Fantastic Four number 131 is called Revolt in Paradise. It is by Roy Thomas and Ross Andrew. The Human Torch and Quicksilver battle each other. That must be fighting over the fact that he loves Crystal. Yeah. And Crystal is uh, Quicksilver's girlfriend by this point, I think. It's his maddening- wife. Wife, yeah, they, yeah, I think they get married, and they also fight a maddening new menace in the land of the uncanny Inhumans, which means that at some point, fifty years from now, Fantastic Four one thirty one is going to be on our list of things to cover over on Avengers Inspirations, because <laughs> Quicksilver and the Inhumans are both Marvel Cinematic Universe characters now. Woohoo! Yes. What will you do if they ever ever get back Spider Man or the FF? Um, die. <laughs> no, I don't know. We may backtrack and do uh, do uh, fill-in runs. I I've thought in my head of maybe like alternating between a current story and a and a catch-up story. That's what I think. Plus, you kind of did a good. If they ever get Spider-Man back, you did it. You already kind of did Spider-Man. Yeah, it'd be fun to do it with Lily, but um, but I yeah. do have the Amazing Spider-Man Classics podcast over there. Yeah. But anyway, Thor, on the other hand, is fighting up against the fourth dimensional man in a story by Jerry Conway, John Buscema, and Vince Coletta. Thor returns from his battle with Loki. Which battle with Loki? His battle with Loki. But the loss of Sif to her pact with Carnilla has sapped the joy from his victory. Soon, a new threat to the city will provide a brief reprieve from his bitter ruminations. And this is the introduction of the 4D man. Who I may mean, have never heard of, so I guess it doesn't really become too big of a thing. Yeah, that's right. I was thinking of Triathlon from event, the Busiak Perez run of Avengers, but actually he was an update of the 3D Man, not mm-hmm. 4D Man. So I don't know who the 4D Man is. And then there's a Tri-Sentinel, but that's a whole other thing. Yeah. And then we also had Incredible Hulk 160, Nightmare in Niagara Falls by Steve Englehart and Herb Trimpey. The Herb is... The, yeah, <laughs> the Herb... The Hulk has learned of Betty's marriage to Major Talbot and is set off in a rage to find them. Meanwhile, a most unexpected foe lies in wait. Herb smash. (laughs) And actually, I just realized, wow, that was some good, then decent uh, 
continuity they had back then because we were just talking about in two or three months, Amazing Spider-Man is in Canada at Niagara Falls fighting the Hulk. Oh, neat. Okay, so yeah, that's that's pretty good. And obviously, I've, I've gotten used to the Hulk just being wherever, whenever he shows up in other people's books. Oh, duh! I just realized who the most unexpected foe li- who lies in wait is. Who's that? It is. Uh, I think there's. I'm trying to figure out which one. I'm trying to remember the exact issue number, but it's one of two people because he both is going to fight them both in the next issue too, I believe. Um, the Windigo and Wolverine. Oh, what what issue number is that? One sixty. Oh yeah. Huh. No, because 182 is, is the first Wolverine. Oh, 180. Durr. I am way off then. But no, yeah, but at least that's, that's right with, uh, I guess he's in Canada for a while, it goes back. But yeah, that's right with uh, the Spider-Man stuff, at least. I'm right on that one. Well, I think the Wendigo stuff from 182 is a follow-up to an earlier story. So this could be the earlier Wendigo story that, uh, no, I'm totally wrong. 182 is not... Uh, Maybe it's 181. 181 is the first real Wolverine. That's right. 180 is the cameo. Okay. 180 is the cameo. 181 is the first one. And then 182 is a hammer and anvil. Okay. So yeah, this, this might be the first Wendigo story. And then the 180 story follows up on that. Yeah. But either way, it is definitely continuity with Spider-Man because Hulk's in Canada. And then surely afterwards, Spider-Man fights in Canada at Niagara Falls. Sweet. So nice job on continuity, people. Hooray. All right, so I don't know if we want to, let's see, do we have anything to talk about Adam's powers? Does he do anything? Well, I guess, I mean, yes, we do. We have an idea of how the soul gem works now. Yes, you uh, pulling power from the cosmos. And apparently he's also able to draw, he, besides whatever blast he can do, he turns the ground into, burst into, makes it burst into flame around Triax at one point here. But he also, apparently, while he's flying, he's feeling weak, and he draws some strength from the soul gem when he's fighting the fighter jet. Yes. Yes, so he can get strength for himself and also attack power. Yeah, the soul gem is just his his uh, his sonic screwdriver. He can do whatever he wants to with it. Basically, I wonder if he can reconnect barbed wire with it. <laughs> we should put him to the test on that one. Now I think of her being followed around by kids saying, "Are you my mummy?" <laughs> should I um, tell everyone where they can find me before we go? I think you should, in case you want them to find you. I do want them to find it because I am an egotistical maniac. But not just I, also my daughter, because she and I are over at Avengers Inspirations every week talking about a comic or two that has helped to inspire the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And at the end of the year, we crossed into the era of the Avengers as a team. So now not only are we talking about their solo adventures individually, but also the Avengers as a team. Um, and we're also each week doing a segment at the beginning where we talk about um, some production of the Marvel Cinematic Universe as we rewatch every episode and film leading up to Avengers Age of Ultron. Ooh. So that has been fun. And yeah, so come check us out over at CMRO, which stands for Complete Marvel Reading Order, cmro.travis-starns.com under the Podcasts tab. <laughs> Okay, well, sir, that was fun to get back in the saddle with Warlock again. Yeah, um, it might not have been the best issue, but it was good to have you back. It's yes, been a while, and it's been fun. It, it, I missed it. I will be pulling the Captain Marvel issues of the Thanos War. Uh, do you know? Are you just starting with the first one that has Thanos in it? Uh, yeah, twenty-five. We're going to do. We're going to have to. Okay. Me and Brian have recorded that sometime 
Okay, Captain Marvel 25, 1970. So according to my schedule, that should be... That'll be coming out after the, That'll be the next episode. Okay, cool. I will pull that and, and start looking at it. And then John and I will be back with Warlock number five, the episode after that. Sweet. All right. So everybody say goodbye to John, and we will see him again in two episodes, or you can catch him sooner on all the places we mentioned. Goodbye, John. Bye, John. So that's where you can find John. If you feel the need to find me someplace besides here, you can find me along with my Thanos, the Infinity Revolution co-host Brian, on Four Color Fanboys, where we are currently talking about the Warren Ellis run of Marvel's Excalibur. You can find the show on iTunes or fourcolor.podwits.com. As far as this show, if you feel so inspired, there are a few ways you can contact us. You can send an email at resurrectionspodcast at yahoo.com, or just leave an iTunes review. Either one will be greatly appreciated and will be read on the air. And be sure to check out the show's Tumblr page, where I post images from the issues we review, at resurrectionsadamwarlock.tumblr.com. Almost forgot, if you want to read the story yourself and don't have a copy of the original, there are a few places you can find it. If you want it in black and white, and a little cheaper, you can pick up a copy of Essential Warlock Volume 1. Or if you want color and want to pay a little bit more, the hardcover Marvel Masterworks Warlock Volume 1. And finally, if you want to be high-tech, go for the digital. It's available on the Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited website and app. Hey, this is Dion Bai. I'm here with my friend Jay Blake, uh, both of the Podwitz fame. We've got a new um, podcast coming out for you. Do you remember back in the day when having your friends sleep over your house was the highlight of your week where you'd uh, go out with your parents and you'd rent every movie under the sun and you'd get some Jiffy Pop, uh, you'd max out that rental card and you'd uh, get some Joke Cola and stay up all night long watching more movies than you think you'd be able to binge watch? Uh, I do. Well, we've got a new podcast that you'll love. It can be found at saturdaysleepovers.podwits.com and basically what we're going to be doing here at Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers we're going to be profiling new and old that we used to watch when we were little. Yeah, movies from action movies to horror movies to maybe even new movies. Yeah, whatever we think could be a forgotten gem or something that we think could be a cult classic. We'll be seeing if the old movies still stand up, if they're as good as they used to be, if we remember them, and if they warrant a second viewing for people. So come on down and listen to us at Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. That can be found again at saturdaysleepovers.podwits.com. We'll be waiting for you. Later. Before we finish off this episode, I want to go over a few things. I'm sure some of you might have noticed that Thanos has been popping up in some recent Marvel books, like Avengers and Nova. You might be wondering if we're going to be covering any of these new issues. The answer is yes. Sort of. Eventually. I am planning on covering all the recent Thanos, and Warlock, if he shows up again, appearances, like I am the older ones. However, with the old ones, we have the benefit of looking back with some hindsight and perspective on the issues. So we will be covering the new appearances, but not right away. I want to wait a little bit before doing them. Right now, the only one we already have scheduled is the Thanos vs. Hulk mini, but that won't be for a few months, until it's finished. As for the others, I need to read the Nova issue first before I can determine when I want to do it. And with Thanos and the Avengers, 
I want to be waiting till at least the current runs of Avengers and New Avengers end. Because that's only in a few more months. Before deciding when to cover that. Okay, that's it for this time. Next episode, Brian's back as we cover Captain Marvel 25 and the beginning of the Cosmic Cube Saga. See you all then. Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast, is a fan-made production, and no trademark infringement, copyright infringement, or people thrown off a building by Warthog is intended. Mostly the last one. The opening music for this podcast is Intro Pompeii by Lino Rise, and the closing music is Dark and Dramatic by DJ Puzzle, both are licensed by the Creative Commons License. You can find Lino Rise at free-intro-music.com and DJ Puzzle at peaceloveproductions.com. Links to both can be found on the Tumblr page. It has been a minute since we talked. <laughs> yes, it has. <laughs> How now, you doing? I I am doing rather well. Today has been a good day. I did some workout. I'm sitting here reading the second issue of Morning Glories because it's a fantastic series. Um, I reread issue four of Warlock last night so I could know what I was talking about today. So did I, and, yeah. Um, Huh? I said, so did I. I figured that helps. Yeah. Having a clue what you're talking about. Although, to to spoil a little bit, I don't have a whole heck of a lot to say on this issue. Eh, that's fine. We have what we have. After your <laughs> epic journeys through Thanos spoke with Brian. <laughs> oh, my God. Last episode, we tangented so much, I realized in three parts we had only gotten halfway through. We didn't finish. We recorded this morning. We didn't finish. We have to do one more. Wow. And that's over the Infinity Revelation? Yeah. You've already released three parts on that, though, right? Yes. And actually, what I'm going to do now is... I decided I am going to go... Def 100%. I am going to go with the... Uh, do, make, changing it next year to a Thanos and Warlock story. I mean, podcast. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to re- re- release them for the most part in release order, since they were both bi-monthly books. Captain, uh, Captain Marvel, since that's where Thanos was appearing. And right. Warlock. And they were bi-monthly on different months. So that way it'll be like one Warlock, one Captain Marvel a month. Which also I figure is easier than we're worrying about recording, because then I don't have to try and get either one of you to do, because Brian gets to do Captain Marvel. I'll be trying to get either one of you for two a month. You know, if we do, if we're do one a month and we're, if we're able to get ahead, then, you know, by like being a month ahead of when it's going out, then we're good. And then that way, scheduling issues or whatever, we're not, oh crap, I gotta get this out. It, right. You know, we have extra time. But now this is going to add into that because now I realize I'm going to release the uh, Hulk issue episode that we did, you and I did, uh, tomorrow. And I'm going to start doing the switching it now because we got two more parts of, of, of Thanos to go through. Okay, okay, okay. So the thing we do today, 
When do you have it slated to go up? Early January. Early January. Okay. It was going to be late December, but now it's going to be early January. When I talk about Avengers Inspirations, I'll know when what what stories to reference because exactly. And actually, I'm just finishing up editing. That's like going to go tomorrow. The Hulk one. Um, I have it in its own separate little section. What you pimp out, including like Star Wars cast. So if you want to, before we even start, if you want to do a redo that I can put in that one, so you you talk about Avengers Inspirations instead. Yeah, because the Star Wars saga cast has kind of gone by the wayside. Exactly. So instead, if you want to do that one, I'll throw that in there, and I can even do the same thing for the next episode where we talk about Warlock 3, and that way, or if not, you can all, when I'm getting close to record, releasing that, you and I can always just meet up for like five minutes and have you do the pimp for that episode for what's more current there, and that way we'll just, I'll put, I'll, I'll, you know, switch your voice out for that one. Okay, yeah, that sounds good. That will go up in then December. But we were just laughing. We just tangented too much last time. We, I think we covered like two or three pages. <laughs> we got like a good 20 done this time. Last time we got like two or three. But we record, we record Brian has to get, catch a train around a little bit after noon. And we meet up about 10.30, 11, we meet about 10.30 in the morning. So we have more of a time, you know, we have a more of a time issue with us, with me and him. Yeah, I've noticed a few times he makes reference to having to go. But like, he doesn't work regular 9 to 5, but he, you know, so that makes it easy for us. But he doesn't, he does have to be there around, catch the train about 12.30. Gotcha. I'll be recording with Bob Fisher tonight for Superman Forever Radio. We're going to be talking Silver Age Superman. Oh, cool. Since I've been reading a lot of that. Oh, that's normal anyway. Yeah, this yeah. is a big podcasting day for me, 24 hours. Yesterday morning at 11, I was uh, guesting on uh, Tales from the Longbox, Longbox podcast. I saw your post about that. That's a fun group. Yeah. Uh, well, I have the issue in front of me with the uh, Pigman on the front. All right. Well, first you want to do, um, we'll pause for a second. Do you want to do, uh, the pimping that you're going to, I'll put on the Hulk issue? Yeah. So yeah. for this month, it's coming out when I should have it out tomorrow, if not Wednesday at the latest. Should I just go ahead and go? And whenever you're ready. They're putting out a Captain Marvel figure of the new Captain Marvel. Ooh. Yes. That's neat. The, the Carol one. The new, the yeah. New, Carol Danvers? Okay. Carol Danvers one. Sweet. My brain was trying to figure out, wait, who's Captain Marvel now? <laughs> and it looks like all of the uh, all of the figures from this series, the Marvel Legends Avengers, they all come with bits of Odin and King Thor. So oh. you can build. I was guess, um, yeah, they do all those, yeah, they do those build a figure things, so they try and hope to get you to read all, buy all of them. Right, right. All okay. right. So this is what? I'm not going to say an episode number because I think it's going to be 21, but who knows what's going to change in the next two months, next month. <laughs> All right, ready to go? I am ready. All right. With an afro. <laughs> um, now, but now, yeah, the afro so... now the afro song from uh, Madagascar 3 in my head. Oh, yes, 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 yes. What is that? Um... Rainbow afro, rainbow afro. Circus Afro? Circus Afro, that's it. It's been a while. I just have to... Afro Circus, yes. Poke it up, poke it up. 